And we're back. You are listening to Justice and the Peace. I do thank you for joining me for the official first podcast. And with that being said, I believe that I need to go ahead and tell you a little bit about myself. I'm quite the character, as I've been told. I have quite the past. And that's where I want to begin this podcast is with my past. It's quite unique. I was born in 1980. My mother, the beautiful black queen that she is or was, and I'll explain that a little later on. I don't know what she was going through. Because she's not in my life right now. I haven't seen her since I was five years old. It's a, it's a terrible feeling around Mother's Day and Christmas and holidays and shit like that when you can't reach out to the person who uh, spits you out and tell them thank you. Or you get old enough to buy people cars and you can't purchase them because they're not around. But this is the story that I've been told. So I guess I'm going to share the story with you. My mama was married to my brother's dad. I won't use his name because it's not important right now. They've been married, I guess, not that long. She tells him that she's knocked up. He's pretty excited. It's not surprising to him. He has a bunch of kids, a whole lot of kids. I have a whole bunch of siblings that I did not grow up with and currently do not speak with that much. Just like Facebook message every once in a while. Um, we really don't have that much in common except for a last name. Besides that, um, I don't know too much about them to say that we have common interests or common goals or, or, or even moving in the same direction in this life. But anyway, like I was saying, my mom was married to my brother's dad. And I don't know how long he took care of her. That's, that, that was never shared with me. No one ever gave me any explanation about their relationship or anything else like that. But what I do know, what I do know is this, is that after nine months of carrying a baby, my stepfather was in the room and these are two black people. Imagine two black people standing in the delivery room and then a white baby pops out. My stepdaddy looks over at my mom and he says, Paige, I think you might need to make a call. I don't know what happens with the situation after that between those two because he's still around but doesn't want to talk about it. And I haven't seen my mom since I was five. So, the story goes that my mom calls my birth dad. And I'll say his name later on in the podcast because it is revealed that he is my father and I do have siblings out there who are my blood siblings, but that's neither here nor there. My dad shows up to the hospital and he tells my mom, you know, look at the lifestyle that you're leading. You can't take care of this child. And my mom, she said, what you think I'm going to give you my, my firstborn child? You think I'm going to let you just walk? out of the hospital and take my firstborn child. 
And he must have. Because he said, yeah. And she said, no. That's what you're not about to do. Long story short, as he was leaving. And now this is the story that I was told. And it sounds great. It does. As he was leaving, my mother made a decree. She made a decree to him. If you don't want to be a part of his life, it's going to be just us. Hence my first name. Just us. Now, I'm not no uh, time traveling motherfucker or no shit like that. I, I wasn't there. I'm just repeating the story that was told to me, which I thought was quite cool how I got my first name. It makes sense because after that day, I only seen that guy probably two or three times. And the last time that I saw my birth father, I was probably about four, four and a half years old. And I remember it very distinctively that he came to see me and my little brothers because my mom didn't stop having kids after she had me. She had two more kids, my little brothers, Julian and Jamil. We'll talk about them in future episodes also. But she had me justice. Then she had Jamil. Then she had Julian. By the time she had had Julian, from all accounts, my mom was strung out on crack. And she had gotten herself into some legal trouble. And they were talking about sending her away for a while. And... I completely understand what her thought process was, but I'm not a woman and I can't explain or understand a majority of shit that people do. I can just understand one thing and that's jail. I fucking hate it. I, there's some people who say, man, I could sleep on jail. I can't. I like cold water, cable and coochie and ain't none of that shit in prison. So I try to stay the fuck away from jail and the fuck away from the authorities by all accounts and costs. But my mother got herself into some legal trouble and she told my great-grandmother, Vernice Green, she told Vernice that she can't do the time. She just, she just can't. And sure enough, right before her court date, my mother disappeared. This was in 1985. I was five years old. And from my memory, and one thing I can say about memory is that your memory can sometimes serve you correctly and sometimes it does not. But from my initial memory, the last thing that I remember about my mom was her telling me to sit down, stay in the house, don't open the door. I'll be right back. I'm finna go get some milk. I guess for Julian, I wasn't thinking about that shit when I was a five-year-old kid. I'm just like, all right, we finna have a house. So it was normal almost for her to leave. It was normal to be in the house alone. And I guess... To me, you know, at that time in, in my life, you, you, when you're a child, you don't question what usually happens. It just becomes normal. So when she said that she was leaving, I'm like, all right, we'll be here. We ain't going nowhere. You kind of know where we live. 
So she left and she never came back. And I mean ever, till this day. That was in 1985. You could do the math or use your phone for the calculator. I don't know what suits you, you know. Um, but my mom, she, she never came back. And I, wanna, I want people just to think about something real, real quick as a side note. If you think about how much they care about black women right now, because they really don't. When black women go missing, they don't go searching for them. They don't turn over mountains. They don't drain ponds. They don't. They don't. Uh, uh, they don't put together this 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 uh, uh, this swim team to 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 search the bottom of lakes and rivers and shit like that to look for black people. They don't do that now. Now just imagine in the the in one of the highest times of the crack era. A black woman who has a record goes missing. Do you think they even looked for my mother? Because I'm pretty sure and, and deep inside of my soul, I feel like it was just one of those cases like, well, shit. Bitch is gone. She gone. It, it, I, I tell you that. I'm telling you this story, I should say, because what I didn't know was as it was happening to me, I was becoming desensitized. All of the normal shit that people go through as they grow up, like coming home to show your mom what you did in school or giving her a picture or something like that to put on the, on, on the refrigerator or, or, or take to her desk at work or or all of that normal shit that some people go through, I never had. I don't want any sympathy for it because if I did have it, it wouldn't make me the person who I am now. After my mom disappeared, it was a long, it was a long road from, from pillar to post. Me and my brothers, we went and stayed with family members. We stayed with um, my foster family, my grandfather, who I call my dad. Edward Lawrence is my grandfather. I called him dad. And the reason why I call him dad is because he told me that it makes him sound old when he's talking to the women. But anyway, um... My dad, he he uh he ended up getting us after we cycled through all of the family and the and, and the friends that he had and and I believe that, that that happened for him because not only was you know he grieving about his daughter um being gone, but I'm pretty sure every single child every single time that he would look at one of us kids, he could see a piece of his daughter inside of us. Just a, uh, I mean, just the little a uh, hint of his daughter would 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 shimmer through, and, and I'm pretty sure he couldn't handle it at first. We stayed with my grandfather, and he was the most, at times, loving, caring, 
and generous man that you could ever come across. But my grandfather, he had a very, very big anger issue. And it's it's kind of like um shaking up a soda bottle, you know, shaking up one of those two liters. When you, or, or this is even better yet, this is not even shaking up a, 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 a two liter. You take a Mentos and you drop it in one of those Pepsis or, or those Coca-Colas. I, I don't know if you've ever seen that on YouTube. It's a, science pro, it's a science project in elementary school, how you can make volcanoes and shit. You drop Mentos and baking soda and shit. My grandfather would go crazy. He would fuck us up. Us three boys had no chance dealing with him. And I love my grandfather. I really do. Like I said, my past is my past. It, it, it's what made me who I am today. And I'm not saying that like I'm some sort of fucking millionaire or a billionaire, but it sure did secure my head on my shoulders in a whole different way that most people don't understand. After living with my dad for a few years, I, I got to the point to where I got tired of just being scared all the time being happy scared scared happy so one day i tell myself man fuck this i'm gonna run away i get this little bag together i put like just i just want to have clean drawers and socks and a couple of pair of pants i had like maybe one or two shirts and a couple of toys with my stupid ass it was like 11 Maybe 10 or 11. My dumbass leaves the bag like on a bed or some shit. My grandfather goes in the room and straightens up like parents used to do back in the days before um, sidebar. Take this to the side real quick. I'll come back. Parents used to go into your room and look through your shit to see what the fuck was going on with you because they cared. And my grandfather went in our room, me and my brother's room, and he was going through our shit and he found a bag with my clothes in it and he was waiting. I mean waiting for me and my brothers to get home that day. And as soon as I got home, my two brothers got sent outside. He pulled me to the side and had to ask me, what the fuck is this? Where the fuck you think you gonna go? How the fuck are you gonna survive out there? Questions I'd never even asked myself. After I got caught, I started thinking about those answers. How could I do? What could I do to? Man, I fucking, I just started thinking to myself, man, I fucking hate this shit. I just hate this whole situation. I, I, I do not like getting beat up. I'm not talking about whooping. I'm talking about beat up. Thrown over couches and shit like that. Over time, the human body, or, or, or should I say over time, the human mind can convince the human body that this is okay. You grow used to it. And I did enough to despise my grandfather 
so much that I almost felt like I hated him for a while. And I was outside playing with my brothers. And um, I remember coming in the house and uh, we lived in this apartment here in Sacramento. Um, I don't want to give the address, but um, we, we, we lived in this apartment in this like college area. And um, the way that the apartment was made was like most apartments you come in and the kitchen was on the left. The living room was on the right. In the living room, you got a little sliding glass door a little bit over to more more um over to the right with a little patio out there and the couch with the big fat back TV in the corner of the wall. And I come in the house, my grandfather has a shirt up. He's like, uh, Justice, could you could you come here and look at this? So I come and I stand behind him. He says, Does my stomach look like it's lopsided? I say, Yeah, it does. I don't know if it was a few weeks or a few months. I just remember my grandfather, he went to a doctor's appointment and he didn't come back. Me and my brothers were sitting in the house kind of wondering like, when, when is he coming? Is he coming back? And next thing you know, like my aunties, my uncles and shit started showing up. And packing up shit. Telling us that, you know, we're going to have to move. My grandfather wasn't doing so well. We're all asking, well, who are we going to move with? And that's when they told us we're going to be moving. We're going to be moving in with his ex-wife, my grandma, James L. Lawrence. My grandma. So we moved in with my grandma. A whole different side of town. We went from the east <laughs> to the south. To South Sac. Florin Road and 24th Street is the cross streets to be correct. Brand new neighborhood. Brand new kids. Brand new rules, brand new school. I was not, I was not happy to leave all of my friends behind that I had made where I was living at. It wasn't cool. I think I had a little girlfriend named Rachel or some shit like that. I'm not sure. I do remember I had a girlfriend. I also um, <clears throat> had fallen in love with this older, older woman. Um, her name is uh, Latoya. I will I will not say her last name, but I fell in love with this girl named Latoya because she was 16 years old and I was like 10 or 11, and um, she had me play hide and go get it. And needless to say, I got it. And when I got it, I did not want to let that shit go. So when my grandfather died, it was. Well, not died, but when he got sick, it was a blow because I'm a kid and all of that shit is my whole world. That's all I know. Kids only know what they know. (laughs) 
They only know what they have been immersed in. So we moved and we were living with my grandma, settling in. And my grandma used to work for the state. She had a good ass job. By her accounts, she told us that she had helped create uh, the McGruff character, the the the, uh, the 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 drug dog in the trench coat, I believe. But she was at work one day, and we're all sitting in the living room, and excuse me, we're all sitting in the living room, and we hear the doorbell ring. I get up. Walk to the door, pull a little cloth back. She had one of those old school uh, wooden doors with the glass panes in it. I look out there, I'm like, I don't know who that is. So Jamil gets up. He don't know who that is. Julian gets up. He's just like, wait, open the door. I think that's dad. I opened the door. And I saw my grandfather. The man who always looked like some sort of Greek mythical god, some sort of Egyptian king with all of the might in the world. He could swing down, he could swing down with terror and, and, and pain. He was reduced to a shell of a man. He was a good at least two two something. When we saw him. He had to be, I don't know, 150 pounds with his clothes on and a bucket of water in his hand, I think. And we let him in the house and talked to us and he really told us like how much he loved us. And how much, you know, it was hard. We just like sitting there like, what the fuck is going, why did he get so small? You, you don't think about that kind of shit as a kid. And I remember one of my brothers asking him, like, why, Dad, you lost so much weight? Or he said, one of my brothers said something about why did you lose all of the weight or, or this or that. And he lifted up his shirt. And he had this big-ass bandage across his stomach. And then um, he kind of peeled the bandage off. It was just like a big-ass, like, fucking Band-Aid. He had a scar right down the middle of his solar plex or right down the middle of his stomach. To his solar plex, I believe. It was a big scar. Big, fresh scar. We're like, what? What the fuck are we looking at? Well, he kissed us all. He told us that he loved us. And a couple of weeks later, we got summoned to the hospital. And he wasn't even awake. He was, uh, he was on life support and in a coma. I don't know if it was a medically induced coma or um, something else happened. I just know that he was in a coma and the doctors were telling us, like, he can hear you. Say what you want to say to him because he can hear you. And I stepped in the room and I stood over my dad, stood over my grandfather. And then I grabbed his hands. And I remember his hands, when I lived with him, they felt like fucking rocks. It felt like he used to like he used to pick up broken glass 
and just it felt like his hands had been picking up broken glass and he scarred his hands over the years and it was just tough like sandpaper like if he rubbed your skin hard enough you might you might lose one of those layers of skin but when i touched his hand and he was in the hospital his hands were so soft he was so frail unconscious and this nurse came over to me and she handed me this sponge attached to this stick she said, I want you to dip this in the water and I want you to make sure as long as you're up here to keep his mouth hydrated. And I'm like, why? Because he's in a coma. His mouth is open. If you don't, you know, bad things can happen. So we did that. and There's a, um, a picture of me and my brothers at that hospital. And you can see the anguish and the disgust on our face because we didn't necessarily understand the definition of death at that time. But we did already understand the definition of losing someone because of my mom. And once that hit, that's when the anger, it just, it flowed. It flowed badly. I'm going to take a break real quick. I'll be right back. And we're back. So. Oh, sorry. I had to take a quick, quick break of the piss. Um, yeah, so. He came to see us. Showed us this big ass scar. He fell into a coma. Went to go see him. And not too long after that, he passed away. And that right there, um, I believe that was the first time that, well, no, that wasn't the first time I went to a funeral. Um, I remember his brother, my grandfather's brother had died like two years before he had gotten sick and they both died from the same thing. They died from um, intestinal cancer, I believe. I believe they had to remove like um, half of my grandfather's um, intestines or something like that, lower intestines. Hence the big scar that he had on his um, on his stomach. But he died and, and um, we went to the funeral and if you've ever been to a, if you're black and, and you hear the word funeral, you know it's going to be some shit anyway. It's, it's just good. Families, most families do not know how to fucking behave because everybody grieves differently and most of the most of the funerals that I've been um, a part of or, or actually witnessed is always some crazy shit going on. My grandfather's funeral, he he was quite the player. Most of his uh most of his girlfriends showed up, acted a fool, but paid their respects. Kept it pretty cool. Me and my brothers, on the other hand, were just hot. I was fucking mad at the world. There's another picture of that. They got two pictures. One picture of me and my brothers in the hospital and then there's a another picture of me and my brothers at the funeral. And if I ever put the picture up, 
and you ever do see it, that's when I almost, um, I say almost, um, that's when I pretty much dedicated to just creating a, a, a stone face. I felt so weak crying and, and at that point in time in my life. I, I, I just figured bad shit would happen, so why let somebody see me hurt? And I hurt twice as much because one thing that you should never do at a funeral is um touch your dead body. Pat it on his chest. Pat my grandfather on his chest and it was hollow. Scared the shit out of me. I had nightmares for, for a long time after that. Still kind of bothers me to this day. And that funeral was... um. I believe in 1992. But anyways, onward. Started living with my grandma. Well, started getting comfortable living with my grandma. My grandma, I always had a plan that when I turned 16, I was going to move away from my grandfather and live with my grandma because I was her favorite grandson. And anybody who says differently can kiss my ass. And if she was alive, she'd tell you the goddamn same thing. But I lived with my grandma throughout, my, throughout some of my formative years of life, constantly arguing and, and, and just fighting against everything and everybody who tried to tell me what to do because I thought I knew every fucking thing. One thing that is... Um, <laughs> very true is most people they don't like to get told what to do but they do it anyway I'm a little bit differently I'm a little I'm built a little bit differently I only do well in my in, in the way that I structure my shit I only do what I have to do that that I'm not going to go above and beyond for minimum if I'm going to go above and beyond, I expect the same results on the other end. So if you pay me minimum wage, you're going to get minimum work. If you treat me like a minimal friend, I'm going to treat you like a minimal friend. The reciprocation rate with me, eh, probably about 97%. I try not to fuck people over and I try not to get fucked over myself. So I don't really associate with too many people. And plus, it's also a safeguard of me not getting too close to anybody to lose any more friends that I truthfully, most of the time, consider as my family members. But as I was living with my grandma, I fell in love again. And I mean sweet, 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 sweet love. Oh my God, I'm talking about the kind of love that you would throw your whole fucking life away for. The kind of love that makes you say, I'll do anything for you. I, I'll, kill, I'll kill anybody for you. I, 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 I. Do some old, uh, 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 what's the movie with Jim Carrey where, uh, uh, what's that shit? Me, myself, and Irene, where uh, uh, 
the 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 white girl said, "I'll I'll eat well blubber." You believe everything that she tell you? I fell head over heels for this beautiful young woman. I won't say anything else about her because I don't know if she has a family, and I'm not putting anybody on blast telling my story. But I fell in love with this beautiful young woman, and I ran away. She told me some shit one day because we skipped school and we got caught skipping school or our parents found out that we got our parents found out that we skipped school so we both got in trouble both had detention both showed up to detention skipped detention fucked at the school during detention was fucking at the school when her parents came looking for her and she just sweetly told my stupid little young ass, if I go home, he's going to beat me. And another door in my life opens up and now I am a runaway with this little young girl. We're the same age. So I don't want to make it seem like I had some fucking little kid with me. We were both young, dumb. I was full of cum. She was horny as shit, having sex anywhere and anytime we could, doing all of the stupidest shit that you could think of doing, sleeping in people's sheds, sleeping in parks. I drop her off at a friend's house and I sleep outside because I loved her so much. Oh my God, the power of love. Isn't it something? Doesn't it confuse you sometimes? Long story short, if you've been following the story, you can kind of see that there's not really that many top tier people in my family. My mom is gone, whose main job is to take care of me. My father, he couldn't have me the way that he wanted to have me as a son, so he just was out of the picture. My, my, my grandma, she's going through her own hurt, just like my grandfather was. Still searching for her daughter. And then questioning, was it something that she did? Was it something that she could have changed? And I know this because there have been conversations about it. I ran away and put myself into a fucked up position to where now my grandma, she had built a stone wall to where she didn't want to get hurt again. I had life insurance on me when I was like 13 years old, 14 years old, running through the streets, 15, 16, life insurance. At the same time, my two little brothers are gangbanging and doing stupid ass shit. We're driving my grandma up a whole fucking brick wall. She's just going fucking crazy. And, um, I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but um, me and this girl had, I mean, sooner or later, your friends, they just don't want to be a part of your bullshit anymore. And a couple of, uh, uh, it was a couple of her friends or a couple of my friends or something that turned us in and, uh, and um, <laughs> I, did, I tried some of my most daring shit ever. I came home. To my grandma's house and um, the girl went back home to her parents' house. But then she ran away. 
I didn't run away. She ran away. And they were searching everywhere for her. Came to my house looking for her. They could not find her. No one knew where she was at. I'm not sure how long it goes, how long it went. But in my memory, and that's why I say my memory, your memory, sometimes doesn't serve you in the correct manner. But it was a while. And my grandma quickly caught on that I was eating uh, about twice as much of the food that I usually eat. And I wasn't eating at the table anymore. I wasn't coming down to talk to her like I usually did. So one day I went to school and I came home and my grandma just basically said, I know she's up there. I know she's up there. I'm who? Who? What do you, I turned it to an owl. Who, who are you talking about? What, what are you talking about? So I know she's up there and her parents are on the way. And my sweet little girlfriend, the love of my life, she went back home, back to her parents. A couple of days later, or a week, a week later, let's just, let's just go ahead and be generous. A week, week and a half later, um, her parents had finally gotten to a point to where they're just like, well, he's not going nowhere. We might as well just fucking deal with him. So they come to pick me up for school. And I see my girl in the morning, I'm like, all right, what's up, baby? What's going on? What we doing today? You know, I'm trying to skip. I'm trying to fuck. What's going on? What's happening? You, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to set it up. And she, like, moved her hair a little bit. And I seen this big-ass red motherfucking hickey on her fucking neck. And boy, did my heart sink. As soon as that car stopped, I jumped out that goddamn car. And when it pulled off, I'm not gonna lie, I cried. I cried hard. I skipped school that day. Went over to my homeboy's house, smoked hella bammer weed. <laughs> got a bammer headache, got a bammer high, got a bammer munchie attack. Went home, cried some more. Started talking to my grandma about it. and She was trying to explain to me the difference between puppy love and, I guess, mature love. She, there, there's no word for mature love, just love. But what I had was puppy love. I was a little puppy. Just following the massa around. And massa didn't feed you what you wanted to eat, so your heart broken right now. Y'all get back together. My grandma was just trying to have them back. Trying to keep me, you know, from going crazy because from her perspective, how she saw things, she was actually looking on what my perspective was seeing. And that was the things that I were, the things that I was putting my time into, the, the love that I was putting out, not only was I not getting it back, but I was also... Losing people who were very important to me in my life. And it, it had to have some sort of psychological uh, trauma on me. So she played nice with me. And I believed that shit for a while. That, you know, maybe it was a one-time thing and this and that. So 
When I got back to school, everybody had already knew about the thing, and I looked like a goddamn asshole, and some fucking grown-ass niggas, I mean a grown-ass man, catching the fucking bus up to school to pick up my ex-girlfriend, who I just ran away for for six months. Threw away my whole fucking life, my whole high school life for for six months. But as time does and always will do, it healed that wound. Long enough for me to move on and find somebody else to care about. And I'm not, I'm not going to talk about her right now because that's a different subject. But what I'm trying to outline for you is that within, I would say, 16 years. And there's a lot of components of this story that I'm leaving out. I mean, there are components in this story that you'd be like, ooh, wow, why you didn't put that in there? Well, it's not in the context of what it is that I want you to know about me right now. And right now, I just want you to understand that where I come from, what I, matter of fact, yeah, what I come from, it's not usual. So I do not think like a regular person. I don't talk like a regular person. I can get pretty profane. And truthfully, this is my platform. This is my podcast. And you're more than freely, you're more than free to hit stop, unsubscribe, and kiss my ass on your way out. I don't really care. I mean, I do care, but I don't. You know, I do, but I don't. I want you to, I want you to, 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 to come with me on this journey, but I'm not going to beg you. And I'm not finna fucking PC everything out to where everybody's going to be happy. I'm going to say things that people will not like. I have a fucking completely different perfect. I have a completely different perspective than most people understand. And in order for me to push that perspective, I need you to kind of get inside of my mind and understand why it is I think the way that I think. Because there's a reason why you think the way that you think. And it's all of your past experiences, they lead up to this moment to where you're sitting down and you're listening to my voice. Everything that you have done after the podcast is over is led up to that moment. All of these experiences, they have molded you into the beautiful sculpture that you are now. And I mean that no matter what you look like, how big you are, if you're fat, if you're skinny, if you're small, if you're tall, shit, if you fucking roll around like a fucking, like a fucking roly-poly down the street, it doesn't matter. You need to find beauty within yourself. Your past experiences have made you who you are. My past experiences have definitely shaped me into what it is I am today. But I'm going to give you a little bit more insight and then I'm going to get out of here on the first episode because I don't want it to be too fucking heavy. But I moved on from the girl I ran away with in high school and I ended up running into the girl I dated in middle school. And that woman right there, 
it turns out to be would not only she would not only be a game changer but she would be probably next to my grandma and my great grandmother one of the most special women in my life the mother of my children my lover my counterpart my equal sometimes my enemy my um my uh my confidant whatever you want to call it whatever suits you but to me she's everything I hook back up with her and everything changes. And with that being said, I'm going to I'm going to end this first podcast um next podcast will probably be dropping um very shortly. I might do two tonight or this morning because it's actually past midnight. Um if you have anything to say, any questions, comments, or anything else like that, please leave them below. If you want to send me any questions personally or, or contact me, I will read your emails or anything that you have to say. Um, the email address is bulletsradio at gmail.com. That's bullets, B-U-L-L-E-T-S-R-A-D-I-O at gmail.com. Please um, like subscribe, share, tell a friend. Um, and thank you so much for listening to justice and the peace. Peace.